Hello, fellow friends, family degenerates, and welcome to another edition of Caged Wisdom MMA. My name is Josh, and I am your host, along with my co-host, Buck Schlurf over at MMA Nerd. Buck, give a shout out. Assalamu alaikum. I'm going to look that up on Google Translate. That's because this card's in Abu Dhabi. Oh, okay. There you go. Well, like uh, so UFC, long. UFC 294, buddy. How about it? This is a big one. This is a big one. Uh, and you know, it got even bigger at the last minute. It did. It, it actually got better. I mean, I don't know if the performances would be better because of all the, the late notice, last second stuff that went on, but damn, dude, there is a good card. I mean, it's a little bit top heavy, but compared to the last two cards that we did, I mean, this is, this is probably one of the best cars of the year that I can remember. You know, we've done so many of these, I kind of forget, but it's kind of crazy. This happened the last time comes up fought where there was a big shakeup in the card at the last like minute and the card got way better, way better last time. Uh, did you watch his interview with Chael Sonnen? I don't know if this is the right venue for this. Did you watch I, that? I saw a clip of him like mad dogging Kamaru Usman, <laughs> like, yeah, it just was giving him like the that. stare. Yeah, he was just staring. He just mumbled and stared, and yeah. it, was, it was it was it was awkward. But I'm excited for it because I've always wanted to see how this fight would go down. Now, is this you know? Do we think we have a, a prime Kamoro Usman? I I don't know the answer to that, but I guess we're gonna find out Saturday. What what time is the fight at? Oh, that's that's an important thing. Um, we're here on the West Coast, and it is at 11 a.m. is when it starts. So. It killed it killed my plans because I, I didn't even think about it until last week and I was like, wait a second. No kidding, right? We're gonna well, have people over, it was gonna be like a thing. Yeah. Lucky me, I was already planning to have a bunch of mimosas that morning. Yeah, well. Hey, at least you had plans. I mean, it's not gonna fuck that up. So Yeah. All right. Well, you know, we're gonna do the this the way that we always do it. We're gonna talk a little bit about some of the things that we've been seeing going on, the landscape of the UFC, and then we're gonna get into the card. We're gonna be discussing just the main card. We're going to give you our breakdown, our synopsis, our predictions. Um, we are going to sprinkle in the odds here and there. You know, we're not a, necessarily a betting platform or we're not, uh, you know, out here to just promote bets or anything like that. But I think it's important that you know where the market is on these individual fighters because I think it kind of sets the tone for the conversation. But there's a couple of things that we wanted to bring up uh, that we thought were important. And number one is the fact that because of Conor McGregor, again, I feel like that should be a trademark with UFC. They have withdrawn from the USADA relationship and are no longer going to be doing drug testing through that program. Now, I don't know if they have something in place at this point. Have you heard anything about that? So, yeah, go figure. They So, USADA announces, hey, Conor McGregor has entered the pool um, as, of August, or as of October 8th. However, we have a policy that you have to be in the pool, the drug testing pool for six months and have two um, negative drug tests before you can compete again. And Connor says he's going to compete at the end of the year. And they said, uh, we don't know if the UFC is going to honor um, our policy of six months because our contract is going to end with them uh, and we, and it will not be renewed. So they're out at the end of the year and the UFC is just going to do it themselves. Um, they are hiring um, in a super UFC move. They are hiring somebody who is like a tough guy, 
um, but isn't like necessary qual- like qualified. He's like a former CIA intelligence officer who was on the team that captured Bin Laden. That that makes no fucking sense. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. And um, I was you know reading. What that reminds me of is the Jerry <laughs> yeah. Springer cop that always go out there to break people up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. I mean? Just like an unqualified guy that looks like a meathead, bald. You know? Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. So in-house, do you think, what do you think that's going to do to the credibility of this? Because that, you know, you start having people pop hot. We saw what that did to baseball in the late 90s. We saw what it's done to, you know, even the UFC with like the John Jones legacy, all those kinds of things. What do you think the impact of that's going to be? Well, so the the interesting thing about what made USADA different from other drug testing like companies was that they were the testing and they were also the adjudication. So they could hand out sentences and like bans and things like that. Like it was their responsibility to mm-hmm. provide suspensions and things Unbiased like that. Third party. Yeah. Right. And so now the UFC, it, like they, they still contract out their drug testing like service to, some lab that just like or some company that just takes the samples and sends it to uh WADA which is the World Anti-Doping Agency but that company that they're contracted with doesn't have any like authority to dole out any consequences so the UFC is judge jury executioner correct and mm, that's a problem cuz they're already bending the rules for for Connor at this point yeah. so what are they mm-hmm. going to do if he gets popped and he's a big well, star uh, why and why would they? Why would they? Why would they even tell anybody? Well, and then you look at what they did with Brock Lesnar, mm-hmm. with uh, they, I mean, they Conor knew McGregor. He was... Was, they knew they they gave him one of the uh, uh, what did they call it at the time where they they weren't going to test him beforehand. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking well, about? Well, they it's, they did that. So for Brock Lesnar, they didn't give him. They didn't make him sit in for six months because of it was like a, an extenuating circumstance, um, and he was in the UFC before USADA. So when he came back in, um, they were able to make this example, but he did have to take his drug tests still, and he failed his pre-fight drug test, and the okay, UFC just didn't story. say it. was a long time ago, yeah. Yeah, seven years, and it just got um, settled. The lawsuit that Mark Hunt brought against the UFC uh, because of that fight just got settled um, earlier this year in the UFC's favor, and Mark Hunt didn't get anything. That's crazy. I think this is going to yeah. end up being a, a black eye for the UFC long term. I mean, you just look at, at the, the pattern of what they've done in the past. It only benefits them short term and it's going to only benefit the, the top notch fighters. And they're going to probably leverage it against people that they don't like. You know, similar to what we've seen back, you know, many, many times before mm-hmm. on fighters that they don't like, not giving them good opportunities, passing them up. Yeah. You know, I don't know about you, but I, I'd like to see Conor McGregor just kind of go away at this point i don't think he does a lot for the sport dude it's been he kind of dirties it up a little bit yeah because everyone's gonna know that he's on steroids you know just looking at you know when he was doing that filming was it roadhouse who he was in Mm -hmm. yeah it's so obvious anyone watching so well and i get man like if you need to do a bunch of steroids to recover from one of the most gruesome injuries i've ever seen in the octagon go nuts 
Like, if that's going to help you build back and become stronger, great. I think that you should do yeah. that. But then stay in the pool for six months and test negative. Like, you need to – we need to know that you are now off of them and you are going to be clean, like, with that, like, set amount of time before you go back and compete. And I'm going to – I'm sounding like I'm super pro USADA. And I'm – I'm super pro – the idea of USADA and yes, it's yeah, not level being done. playing field. Yeah. It's not being done perfectly, but that's, it's, you know, it's better than it being done maliciously, you know, or sure. selfishly by the UFC. Yeah. And that's exactly what this seems to be going down the path of. Yeah. It's, it's extremely self-serving. All right. So that's the, I guess the hot topic that we wanted to, it almost feels like we needed to get that off our chest. Yeah. So than anything Ugh. else. But I, I feel better. I feel better. At least they know where we stand. So UFC 294, it is a banging card. There's there, you know, there's some fighters on there that uh, you may not be extremely familiar with, uh, but it's you know, there's a lot of talent. Um, so we're gonna go through each one, and I'm just gonna break them down as we go through them. Uh, first fight, which I'm extremely excited about, is Saeed Nurmagomedov, and he's fighting. And is it? It's uh, Muin Gafarov, right? Bingo. Bingo. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really bad with these names. There's a lot of these funky names because they're doing this in Abu Dhabi. So uh, Saeed's minus 218 and Gafarov is plus 80. Next at middleweight, we've got Ikram Alaskarov, who's minus 600, taking on Warley Alves at plus 440, another late notice fight. Uh, then the one I'm really excited about, which is Magomed Ankalaev at light heavyweight, minus 360, taking on Johnny Walker, plus 285. I think it's going to be a hell of a fight. And then we've got the, uh, the the two fights. Now, I heard also that they've discussed this as being a title eliminator now uh, for the Kamoru Usman, who is plus 225, taking on what I think is the most electric fighter in the sport at this point. Him and Gaethje is Hamzat Chemaev at minus 278, and these are all DraftKings odds. And then the final, which is just an absolute godsend to be able to watch this again. I mean, what a treat for, you know, even the, the tepid UFC fan Islam Mahachev or Makachev minus two fifty eight, taking on Alexander, the great Volkanovsky Volkanovsky at plus two ten. So as you can see, great, a lot of star power in this one, a lot of great fight, interesting matchups, fights that we didn't know that we wanted to see happen are now happening. Uh, can't wait for it. So first, let's kick off with Saeed Nurmagomedov taking on Muin Gafarov. What are your thoughts on that? Um, well, so the first thing I had to do was remind myself if Saeed was um, no, the same not. Nurmagomedov. And no, he is not. <laughs> it's like Jenkins so, yeah. or Smith yeah. over there, I think. <laughs> yeah. The fucking uh, everywhere. So Saeed is, um, you know, there's a couple of different flavors of of Russian martial artists, especially in the UFC. And um, if I was going to liken him to anybody that we've seen in the past, even though his name is Nurmagomedov, I think he is closest to uh, Zabit Magomed Sharapov, who was this like super hot flash in the pan a couple of years ago, um, who came in, looked incredible, did a bunch of flips and spins and twists and, and beat the tar out of like, you know, uh, Brandon Davis, and um, I think he fought Calvin Cater also, um, and that yeah, was a little bit controversial, but um, really pieced him up and uh, and then left. He uh, quit MMA to go be a doctor, of all things. 
Well, I, I think he also had a uh, he had some type of disorder going on. He had a health no. crisis. Yeah, uh, it was like an autoimmune disease that was impacting his gut. And then after that, you started going into the the doctor thing. But yeah, I, but there's still some some rumors that he might come back. I mean, here's hoping. In the meantime, though, we've got Saeed at bantamweight. So he's a little bit lighter, but he's got the same sort of like super dexterous rangy kicks um, from distance. Um, he was just going nuts with these like awesome, sneaky, quick little like question mark kicks from range. Um the spins we were talking about um, a yeah. little bit earlier. Um, he spins really well um, and he times them really well. Uh, and, and he, his counters are really nice and, and he, he gets these counters um, sort of in a similar way to Islam. Um, but with a different like threat is um, because uh, Saeed can like counter or can strike out at range. And he's got like this, dangerous threat he need his opponent needs to like close the distance really quick they need to you know take a kick and then close the distance and get in so that they can start to land their own damage and when they have to charge in and commit that's when he lands these really nice counter strikes um spin he's got like a really well-timed spinning elbow when he knows his opponent has to move in on him um it's a lot of fun to watch of course he's a really good grappler um he scrambles really well and he's not like for bantamweight, he is not like the biggest that you see out there. No, no, he's pretty small. Mm-hmm. Um, he's pretty small. So his scrambles but... are really good. He's really fast. Um, even you know, even for a bantamweight, so it's really fun to watch him transition between the two, standing and grappling. Yeah, um, he, he's one of those guys that you know. So you know, I guess long story short, with him, I had him pegged as a challenger back in 2020. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I went out. You know. I, for those who don't know, I collect like UFC cars and stuff like that. And I went, I got a, a rookie of him and I paid like $250 for it. Cause I was like, sure, this guy was going to make it. What I didn't know at the time is that he does not really have like, he, he can't really master the English language at this point, which hurts mm. his, his ability to break into the market. Yeah. And, uh, he doesn't really have like a, a very big personality, but you know, he, I think if I remember correctly and I might be wrong, he's got, I think six finishes on a spinning back kick to a body, basically a liver shot, stopping Yikes. a fight. And so it's one of those guys where he's so good at that one technique, you know it's coming, but he's still able to land it over and over again on this elite talent. And, um, you know, I'm as surprised as the next guy that he lost his last fight uh, against Jonathan Martinez. You know, that was a, a, a razor-thin decision. But I think that Saeed Nurmagomedov, what is he? He's 31 years old. He's 17-3. and three. Uh you know, the only losses I could find in the last five years was was Jonathan Martinez. But uh, I think this guy's got a really, really high ceiling for him. And then he's taken on a guy in Muin who's 18 and five, which is a great record. Uh, he's 27, so a little bit younger. But he's had one legitimate fight in the UFC with uh, what's the guy's name? Oh, man. John d- Castaneda or John yeah. Castaneda or something like mm-hmm. that. So he lost to him via decision, and his only other stint in the UFC, if you want to call it that, was in the Contender Series several years ago, uh, and he also lost to a guy named Chad. I don't even know the last guy. I can't remember it right now, but lost Mm -hmm. to him by decision. So he's had no success in the UFC at this point. I think he was the LFA title holder Mm -hmm. uh, back in recently, uh, but hasn't done a whole lot since then. So 
I think this is pretty clear. You know, you've got Saeed Nurmagomedov, who's a legitimate talent, who I, you know, from an eye test standpoint, looks like he could be uh, either a contender or a, a title challenger at this point. And he's taking on a guy that's that's good, that's a banger, that you like you said, a little bit unproven, uh, and the odds are only minus two eighteen in Saeed's favor. So I'm I'm a little bit surprised by that. Well, so Muin is, um, he, you know, if to cat, you know, to pair him with another fighter that's on this card, he's a little bit um, like Johnny Walker, where there are some pretty obvious holes in his defense, but the way that he is all action, all power, like all flying forward is awesome. He is 18 and five. You said was his record. He has 17 finishes. Uh, he's got 10 KOTKOs and seven subs. Um, so he's always finishing fights. He's always going forward. He's got those, he's got big spitting kicks too, which is really fun. So mm-hmm. he, he strikes super well out at range, just like um, Nurmagomedov. So it's going to be fun to watch those two like out at range, like blasting away with these big kicks and trying to close distance. Um, Gafrov in his last fight, he closes distance like behind his head. Like he leads with his head in a big way. And um, that's why that really contributed to him losing the decision in his last fight because he got a point deducted because he basically like full on like – like if you would get a charging penalty in the NFL, like he went full on like forehead to forehead and like his fist yeah. was like way behind his head when they hit, um, it like reckless charges in, but he's so fast and he's so durable, never been finished. Um, I watched him get rocked against John Castaneda a couple of times, like shots that would kill a horse. And he just like a uh, fires back immediately. Like, uh, the best defense is a great offense and just goes, you know, just goes right back under the fire and, and starts swinging. It's a lot of fun. I don't, yeah, I don't think tough he's got to get you so far. Yeah, but it's going to be a great opener. I it's don't gonna think be a great he's going to win. No, for sure. It's got hundred percent going to be a great opener, but it, it only gets you so far in this game. And I think Saeed Nurmagomedov, like I've said eight mm-hmm. times already, dude, he's, he has flashes of looking like a world beater. And I think he's a little bit, a little bit faster. I think he mm-hmm. connects a little bit more clean with mm-hmm. his techniques. And I don't know about uh, Gafarov's ground game, but I know that, that Saeed's got one. Mm-hmm. He may not be as well known for it as uh, his brethren in uh, uh, Dagestan. But, you know, I think this is going to be uh, his fight to lose. So I'm taking Saeed Nurmagomedov in this one. Yeah, I think that's a good choice. Um, I do have a little note here uh, just for myself um, that says... Muin Gafarov is my dream bantamweight debut opponent for Davison Figueredo. Uh, oh shit! Wait, I, th- I <laughs> do, you, do you you hold him in higher regard than I do? I think. Oh no! I want I want Figgy to win, but I just think it would be an awesome fight. Yeah, I think it would be. It would just be uh, a total firefight. I, he's got some pretty good defensive grappling. Um, I'm ex- I yeah, I'm excited for I this one. Figueroa beat the shit out of that guy. And I don't want to get past uh, this fight before we move on. Uh, we talked about Jonathan Martinez who beat Saeed. He just uh, got he became the second fighter in the UFC to win more than one fight by leg kick TKO last week. Um, 
he leg kicked Adrian Yanez. Oh uh, yeah, I up, watched that fight. Heart. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, he's on a tear. So, uh, shout out to Jonathan Martinez, uh, also a friend of the show. <laughs> Another friend of the show. All right. So next fight is Ikram Alaskarov minus six hundred, taking on uh, a late notice veteran, Warley Alves plus four forty. What are your thoughts on this? Um, this is, I mean, this is going to be another good showcase for, um, Alex Garov. That's pretty much what this is set up to do. Uh, he is making his second fight. I think, yeah, his second fight in the UFC. He had his last one against, uh, oh gosh. Phil Hawes. Phil Hawes. Yeah. Well, I he, thought it was his second. I thought this was his I think you're right. Fight. You're no, right. No, you're this right. is his second fight. Um, so he fought Probably. Phil Hawes. Yeah. I think he was on the contender series also. Um, you know, and, and, and if you watch the highlights of that fight, the one, two that he finishes him with is like gorgeous. It's like so pinpoint it's right in the button, but right before that he overswung and like threw himself down onto the mat, uh, and then had to like stand back up and to go from like over committing on a big wide overhand so much so that you fall over and then standing up and landing just like two laser one two i it, yeah. it you know it was a little bit reckless um that that round um but it, i mean obviously you can tell he's very very skilled he he got cracked but um you know you don't get to that kind of record you know with only one loss um on accident no and he's got he's got some momentum behind his name i think even For before sure. coming into the ufc whereas alves you know, I, I don't know. How long has Alves been inside the, the UFC for? I know he's two and four in his last six. Yeah, he's been around. Um, he Well, so he went um, he went 12 and 0, I think, at the start of his career. And he his like the was last win in, in his, the UFC, though. His last how many win was uh, two or three or something like that. His last win was Colby Covington, of all people. Um, res- he wrestled. He's one of Colby Covington, the only two people that's beaten Covington in the UFC. It's, it's him and Kamaru. Was that like 2016, maybe? Yeah, somewhere around then. So okay. yeah, younger in his career, but um, yeah. a really good win that's aged really well. Yeah. For um, sure. one of his last fights was against uh Munir Lazez, uh, who was like kind of like a pseudo prospect in like 2020, 21. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think he was a late replacement for that one too, and he just went guns ablazing and just put the pressure on Lazez right out the gate, and uh, really just overwhelmed him. He finished him with uh, three consecutive uh, switch body kicks to the liver, like like through like threw the switch kick and then like retreated and then had, then it was his back foot. And then he just blasted him two more times in a row and dropped him. Uh, it was, it was awesome. It was like three minutes and he just unloaded on him. And I don't see why he wouldn't do that again this time. Um, he hasn't been training. He's not like, a. You know, I'm, you know, what do you mean? He wouldn't he, do it again, like go balls to the wall or I, yeah, I don't see why he wouldn't like if you, he, he didn't have a full camp. He's going against yeah. the super hype prospect. The only time this super hype prospect was Damn when it, he that got was my knocked, note. Yeah, knocked out in the first round before he could build his reads. You know, he caught him early. Um, 
it was oh, Hamzat. You're talk about Hamzat. Oh, yeah, we Hamzat caught. Um, they fought in Brave FC, which yeah, is 2019. Uh, yeah, that long ago. Uh, and uh, they had a pretty, you know, they had a little war in like the first round, and that was like three or four minutes in or something like that. Hamzat caught him with an uppercut as he was closing the distance and totally flatlined him. Yeah. Um, he said afterwards, like, oh, you know, I was trying to cut too much weight, and he said, I'm not making an excuse, but I'm never fighting at welterweight again. And and he hasn't. So, you know, I, I that must have been a pretty serious cut that had him that week. But, um, you know, not to draw too much from that performance, but if Warley Alves no. can go out there and just, like, overwhelm him right out the gate and catch him cold. Yeah, but... Uh, Alaskarov got hit. I, I mean, I'm not saying it's yeah. gonna happen. Yeah. Alaskarov is being set up to win here um, and make his name because yeah. they want, you know. especially in, in in front of his fans. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a reason that there's a lot of Middle Eastern, Arabic yeah. talent, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, on this card. It's because it's a, a lot of it's gonna be a showcase, and I think that yeah. Saeed's a real relative showcase. Uh, this is another showcase. I mean, you look at Alvarez or excuse me, Alves. He he's coming off a not before he went on that that streak, you know, the two and four streak, he took some time away from the sport. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was, he was really good back in the day. I just haven't seen enough from him lately to justify why this fight should be happening necessarily outside of it being a showcase fight. And I think that the odds yeah. reflect it. And I'm taking, uh, Alaskarov all day, every day, especially given the fact that Alves has not looked really that good in his striking in the last two fights that he's had. Yeah. And he's taken on, you know, a young, up and coming, badass, and and this is uh, what the UFC is known for. Yeah, feeding you know, them, show, feeding show, them to the rising showcasing stars. Some talent. Yep, exactly. So, what, what are your thoughts? You, you're going to take on this? I yeah, uh, Garov is the is the right choice. Um, sure, but you know, look look for this to be a short fight because I think Al, uh, Alves knows that he doesn't. You know, yeah. he hasn't built three rounds of conditioning in right now. You know, I'm sure he's always especially with his but, style. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think he's just going to go balls to the wall and try and, and overwhelm him, catch him cold, make a big yeah. name for himself. And and for those that don't watch a, a ton of the UFC or MMA like we do, you know, a lot of the short-notice fighters that come in, one of the biggest strategies that they have because they know that they don't have the gas tank to be able to go you know three or five rounds with a, a well-conditioned opponent is they have to go balls to the wall basically for the first round and a half and just pray to God that they connect. And so, you know... I'm sure no one did, but when I first started on this podcast, I put out a list of what I look for when I'm breaking down a fight. And one of the, not the biggest one, but one of the main ones is, is without question is the fighter coming in on late notice. There are three of them on this card that are coming in on late notice. And I, I think it's going to impact all three of them on, uh, on my predictions. So I too am in taking Alice Garov minus 600 next fight. Mag, uh, Magomed Ankalaev, who's minus 360 at light heavyweight, is taking on Johnny Walker, plus 285. And correct me if I'm wrong, this is probably uh, a title eliminator, right? Whoever yeah, gets this probably. is probably going to get a shot. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they Ankalaev's last fight was supposed to be for the title. Um, yeah, but he put on that horrible fight against Jan Blahovic that went to a yeah. draw. Was that yeah. in December, right? Yeah, I think was, so. Mm-hmm. God, it was a bad fight. Yeah, I I, I, I thought he won lo- though. I do love watching Jan Blahovic just kick shin to shin. 
He's such a yeah. bad motherfucker, dude. He is. <laughs> who, who did he recently fight? Was it uh, Jamal Hill that he fought? Blowage. No, 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 no. Pereira. No, it was, it was, yeah, Pereira. Yeah, and I thought he uh, thought he might have won that too. Yeah, boy, God, did he look gassed? They got to stop doing these fights at elevation. I think it's just why? stupid. Why? Why yeah. throw that as a factor? Because I've never seen him gas like that. And you could say that it's age, but no, he was fighting it like. Five yeah, they're in Salt Lake City again. Right? For Christ's right? sake. Yeah. That Mexico City always put on like the worst fights. So I, I yeah. think they should stop doing that. Okay, so Magomed Ankalaev, what are your thoughts on it? How do you think it's going to go down? Well, One of them's cerebral, the other one's reckless. But but Johnny Walker's been following a pretty damn good pl- uh, game plan as of late. I feel like he's turning the corner on, on his professionalism a little bit. Yeah, he, and... and- and his like wildness is still there, but it's a little bit more channeled and directed. Um, he is a freak. Like he is a freak in nature. The way he can always land with so much power. Um, yeah. I think his last fight. His last fight was against uh, Paul Craig. I think God, no, it was uh, uh, Anthony Smith. But before that was yeah, against Paul yeah. Craig. But Anthony Smith. He, didn't he break his leg or something? I kicked the shit out of him is what he did. Yeah. Yeah, um, but but Anthony Smith got really hurt. Where yeah. He couldn't even stand up really. I mean, I'm not I'm not discrediting it, but that that fight against Paul Craig, I I think I may have even picked Paul Craig for that, which yeah. ruined a lot of credibility there because <laughs> he beat the shit out of him within like well, 20 seconds. Well, and he did it. He Johnny Walker. So this this is exactly what I have in my notes here. Is that the way that both of these guys throw their high kicks is emblematic of kind of their fighting styles. Johnny Walker will throw these naked head kicks and just blast him out from range, from distance, um, just so that he can always be landing. And moving you, you know, here, mm-hmm. even if you block it, like you can only block a kick. Like if you block it with your arms, he basically still just kicked your arms. And that's a baseball bat swinging at your arm. Like it still hurts. Um, and so he gets like free damage from all the way out at range. Problem with that is because he's so long and gangly, uh, it takes a long time for that kick to, to reach his target. There's just... If you're just throwing these naked, people can get out of the way of them or, you know, get a hand up or something like that. Even Paul Gregg caught his kick. Um, threw, he, uh, Walker threw a naked kick from range, and Paul Craig scooped it up and held it in both hands. Um, he was doing exactly what you're supposed to do. And then Johnny Walker's freak athleticism comes in mm-hmm. where on one leg he can just punch – you know, with his backhand and twist his hips and land with enough power that he can totally rock your shit, even if he's yeah, like that's right going he was up against the side of the cage, right? When he had his leg, and then he like yeah, was it an and elbow or was it a punch? It was a punch. Yeah, he was he like crossed his own body and punched with the right hand, yeah. and totally like rocked craig and then just swarmed on him and just yeah. pounded him out he's, and, he's a plus 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 athlete for sure no questions asked i, mean, he, I, he when just, I was watching him a long yeah. time ago i was like dude him him and actually strangely magomed uncle i are the ones that i had pegged as the next round of contenders now mm-hmm. johnny walker sure lost a lot of that shine because he lost mm. a couple of fights and yeah. um let's not forget that he 
he separated his shoulder, right? Uh, celebrating, doing the worm, like after <laughs> yeah. one of his fights. Yeah. And <laughs> I think I mean, he, said he broke the, his foot in another celebration earlier also. Yeah. So, but I mean, his biggest thing is that he was, ne- I mean, you know, quick touch mu- muscle fiber, uh, mm-hmm. incredible athleticism, questionable cardio, ground game, good enough to get up. Uh, maybe not a, a big time submission specialist yeah. that I, you know, uh, like we certainly weren't worried about him getting Paul Craig to the ground and, and holding him there, yeah. you know, is much more of a risk for him. But he got Kutelaba. He submitted Ion uh, Kutelaba, who is yeah. very wrestling forward. So, yeah, but didn't he I, not, didn't he rock him first? Or what, no, uh, was that Ankalaev? Because Ankalaev um, had the, the rubber match with him. Yeah, Kutelava just stole two years of Uncle Iev's life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with these like with this like rematch that kept getting rebooked over and over yeah. again. Yeah, um, fun fun fights to watch though. They were fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Johnny Johnny Walker was on the ground actually was under Kutelava and reverse position. Uh, you know, with just some big Hulkin strength move and got his back and. Was able to finish him with a rear yeah. naked choke eventually, um, but that but did Ian show. But Ian yeah. is not Magomed Ankalaev. He is not. Um, Ankalaev is. I mean, he's the real, real deal. And I, you know, the the odds on this. I think. I think that this this fight could go either way. I think this is going to be a razor thin fight for the first round. If it goes past the first round, it's going to start edging more and more towards Ankalaev. Ankalaev is a really good striker really good grappling but what i like about him a lot but and this is what cost him uh you know the the title fight i guess we would say or you know him getting to the draw with uh jan blahovich is that mm-hmm. he's very cerebral and he doesn't take a lot of risk you know same thing when he was fighting against tiago santos wasn't taking a whole lot of risk he wasn't engaging and so if he feels that there's a chance that he might get clipped on the way in he doesn't uh he doesn't engage a lot and he turns what would be a great fight into a, a rather boring fight to watch. And that's the one strike that he has against him. I don't know if the UFC really wants him to become champion because there's not a lot of, of I guess, sizzle is the best word for it mm. uh, when he's fighting against someone that he feels is a real threat. Now, if he's fighting someone like Ayan Kutaleba, dude, he put it on him. <laughs> fighting Tiago Santos, fighting uh, um, who are the other ones that he fought recently? Uh, he put on Anthony Smith pretty good. Tia, yeah, that um, was quick. Vulcan Ozdemir, uh, Jan Blahovich. I mean, all those, like, he took his time, which is good, but, you know, helps him get the win. But it's not something that the fans really want to see. So I'm a little bit concerned about that. I think this might be either a banger right up front, or I think that Ankalov's going to end up wearing Johnny out uh, by not making any mistakes and then capitalizing. You know, it's only a three round fight, so things can happen. Well, so. So when I was watching tape for this, uh, I was watching the Anthony Smith uh, Johnny Walker fight, and in the th- the at the end of the second round, um, the camera is in Smith's corner, and you can hear him talking to the coach, and he says, "I can't get close. Like he's too hard to get to." When Anthony was trying to initiate offense. Um, Johnny Walker is able to switch stances as he's moving backwards. So he he shifts backwards away from you as you're coming in and then can land like rear hand counters from both sides as he's retreating. It's really good. He's like mm-hmm. a it's it's great. 
but um, special for sure. Yeah. And so Smith was saying, I can't get to him. There's too much like weird offense coming at me when I'm trying to move in. Um, So they turned it around and they said, you need to get him to come to you. So Smith started kind of like putting out a little bit more um, like sort of like, you know, tepid offense to try and bait Johnny Walker to come in. And when Walker was closing the distance, that's when Smith was able to land his like good counters and land some heavy punches and, and hurt um, Walker. And did he Mago ben Uncle, uh, He didn't like rock him or anything, but he landed his best he shots of that fight. Yeah. yeah. He landed his best shots in that fight when he was pulling Johnny to him and landing good counters. And Magomed Ankalaev is really good at that. Really good at that. So the the one thing, like the thing that I think is going to be pretty big in this fight is if you are trying to land a good counter, especially like a good counter, like a check hook or a um, like a counter jab or something, mm-hmm. you are you need to have your front leg turned in. If that makes sense. So if you are standing in like a, a boxing stance or, you know, like a, a little bit more bladed um, MMA stance, you need to have your foot like facing uh, the same direction that your chest in, is facing. Because mm-hmm. that way you can turn your hip over and that's how you're going to land like good solid power. Because if you're trying to punch without that and trying to punch without your hip with your hip going in the opposite direction, it's just going to be so much harder to generate any real stopping power. Uh, so Uncle Live is going to have to keep that foot kind of turned in if he's going to be primarily counter-striking. Uh, and Johnny Walker is so good at chopping down those lead legs with his leg kicks. And if you have your lead leg turned in, that's going to devastate you. Like, he can kick right into the back of your knee. He's going to kick right into, your like, the meat of your calf and, like, your fibia on the side there. Uh, that is going to be a big target for Johnny Walker if Uncle Iev tries to make it an only counter-striking game. Yeah, but have you ever seen that from Uncle Iev? Are you just saying well, that's the one thing that he can't do? Well, uh, have I ever seen him turn his foot in? Yeah. Yeah. You've yeah, seen, if you're gonna. I mean, I, I think. Oh, I think. No, I'm seeing. Have you ever seen Uncle Iev as as uh, I guess a case study here? Have you ever seen that being a problem for him? That's how. I mean, Jan Blahovich did it in his last fight and won three rounds or two rounds. Um, and okay. and he for he was landing kicks so much so that um, Uncle Iev was forced to change his stance and and keep his hip turned out entirely so that he could, um, you know, start checking those kicks and his offense. He didn't land a ton of good strikes in the, no. in those like first two rounds. And then Blahovich, what he, and what Blahovich did was just kick into his shin anyway. Yeah. Um, but that really limited uncle Iev's offense in those earlier rounds and forced him to, you know, hold him, you know, shoot for those takes as well. I don't know why he didn't do it earlier, but I'm not going to get into that. Um, he had to rely on his grappling to win that fight because he was hamstrung by the lead leg. Uh, and and I, Walker's I, yeah. not nearly as clever, but he is powerful. He, he's getting there, though. He, he's getting more clever in the mm-hmm. last couple fights. But that's, 
you know, I think that's the segue. It's Uncle Ive actually has some pretty damn good takedowns. Yeah, he's, he sure he's does. A, he's an explosive guy. Mm-hmm. So he's got the striking. Now, if I'm going to compare him tit for tat, uh, I think that uh, Uncle Ive may have the better counter strikes. But from a general overall offense, tools and weapons, I'm going to go with Johnny Walker on that one. But I think that Uncle Ive has the ability to dictate where this fight takes place. And with Johnny Walker, a lot of the movements that he does are big movements, right? He's mm-hmm. doing things that may not be super set up very well. He's going for a head kick. He's spinning, and he's a big target. And Uncle Iev, that's going to be prime for him to go in there. And I think that's probably what the game plan is going to be because the biggest risk that Uncle Iev is going to face is if he goes toe-to-toe with him at distance, at range. Mm-hmm. It has to close the, and has to close the distance or wait for Johnny Walker to strike first. I think he's going to wait for a big movement. I think he's trying to take him down and... Uh, I think it's going to be really hard. It's going to be a really hard fight. It's going to be harder than it looks on paper here because Johnny Walker's gotten so much better in the last couple of years as he's been listening to his coaches a little more, maybe matured as a fighter. Um, you know, Magomed has lost some of his shine on his career because of the Blahovich fight uh, back in December. I think that hopefully will get turned around here. But, you know, when with the odds being minus 360 for Uncle Live, I don't see this being a minus 360 fight for him. I see this being slightly in favor of Uncle Iev because of the fact that Johnny Walker can knock him out, you know, with a good place shot in the first two rounds easily, unless he finds a way to get him down. Yeah, I'm not taking Johnny Walker. I'm taking Uncle Iev, mm-hmm. but I think there's too many paths for for Johnny Walker to 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 win this. I don't know. Will you, do, you, do you agree with me? Disagree with me on that? No, I, I think that's right, and I think that grappling is really going to be the way to go. Um, I mean, Johnny is. I don't know how many times we need to say it, just so hulkishly strong. But his grappling instincts are not the best. Mm-hmm. He, he gets um, taken ha- down. He, well, it's, and, and he gets taken down because I think he got a couple of TKOs with his, you know, he got that Travis Brown elbow mm-hmm. um, stoppage over Ryan Spann. Um, with, you know, when he's up against the cage and, um, Span was trying to shoot a single leg, so his head was like right near Johnny Walker's hip, and mm-hmm. Walker is able to just uh, bring his same side elbow down into the side of his head, um, yeah, you know, a couple of times, and and totally shut the lights out. But that's what happened in the Kutalaba fight. Kut, uh, Eon shoots this good takedown, um, is wrestling up from a single leg, and Walker's got you know his hips into him, and he's got um, his balance right, and he's his weight is, is settled where he needs to. And instead of trying to dig an underhook and get his own, you know, you know, secure grips and then frame away, he immediately starts trying to hit Kutilaba as they're going down, like trying to like land some of these dangerous shots as soon as Kutilaba is in close. And because he starts swinging, he loses his balance and, and Eon's able to get him down. Uh, and that's, and then they, and then they were on the ground for the rest of the fight, and Walker managed to turn it around. But like it's sort of like I've done it enough that I think I can just forego my takedown defense in favor of just trying to blast this guy out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's uh, yeah, it's just not reliable enough. Um, it's not, just not good takedown Goliath. defense. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. So I'm taking Uncle Iev. You're taking Uncle Iev, right? Yeah. You know, we're we're not betting, but 
Don't bet this fight. It's a stupid mm. bet. So next one, one I'm really, really excited about. Uh, Kamara Usman, plus 225, taking on Hamzat Chemaev, minus 270. What are your thoughts? Uh, this is going to be fun. Late notice I fight, mean, by obviously. the way. Yeah, Kamara Usman stepping up, um, making his MMA debut at 185 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I, what is it? His Instagram handle is Usman 84 kg. So 84 kilograms is 84, 168, 16 point, uh, 108. You can tell we didn't rehearse this. <laughs> right. Well, so I think, uh, so Usman used to wrestle at 185 pounds or, or 184, somewhere near there. Sure. Um, so he's not like, to, his body's not like unused to being at this weight, uh, and competing at this weight. So, uh, I mean, Even though it's walks around to like 200 damn near. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, neither here nor there. Late notice fight. Uh, so he's a he. So he's a primarily grappler, um, primarily a wrestler. That is interesting um, because the only time that we've seen Hamzat not just totally steamroll somebody with his um, with his grappling it has been. Um, there's two instances I can think of, and one is Gerald Mearshart, uh, and the other is Gilbert Burns. Gerald Mearshart? Gerald, that was like a 10-second fight. Right. Never went to the ground. <laughs> Kamzat, shoot, Kamzat shoots a double leg. He does like a head kick double leg immediately gotcha. every single time, and he never even tried it against uh, Gil, uh, GM3. Yeah. So, you know, it, the the other person was Gilbert Burns, and... Hamzat was able to get Burns down in the first round. He got him down. Uh, it, it took him like, you know, he had to shoot, reshoot, but he was able to wrestle him down. Uh, and then, you know, Gilbert started throwing up his submissions from the bottom. And that's when Hamzat stood up. So I think the deterrent for Hamzat on the ground is submission threats. And as good as Usman's grappling is, he's not a submission threat. Yeah, yeah. So he's not. I don't. I don't think that Hamza is going to be deterred from his super aggressive wrestling style by Usman. I don't think that his um, wrestling is going to, you know, try. It's gonna, it's not going to be enough to, for him to try and keep it on the feet. So yeah, but Usman is is gone away from being a, a you know a wrestling based MMA style, and he's really becoming reliant on that that jab. Right, he's got an amazing mm-hmm. jab. Mm-hmm. And he's got power, too. thing that worries about Usman is, number one, this is his first time fighting the UFC at 185. Yeah. He's coming off uh, two back-to-back losses after being champion. He's notoriously has uh, poor knees, and so he's not able to do a lot of road work. And so we see, mm-hmm. you know, and anyone that's, that's fought, you know, road work's an incredibly important part for getting ready for a fight, especially like this. Now, it is only three rounds instead of five rounds, right? Yes. I believe so. So... I guess that works a little bit in his favor, but you know he did not look very good in his last outing. His yeah, his his footwork is. I mean, it's very he looks educated. Slow. Looks slow. He's slow. He's yeah. it, it's smart, and he moves in a way that compensates for him being slow very well. He cuts really good angles. Um, he, you know, he's got really good like ring craft, and he follows his opponent around. And, you know, cuts them off really well. But he needs to do all of those things because he isn't fast anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
that shows up in his stance switches um, when he's trying to close the distance, when he's trying to bob and weave. Like it's just kind of it. It makes itself known that he is slowing down, um, which is not a shots, good look against yeah, his, someone like Kamzat. Mm-hmm. He shot like two or three times in the last like two rounds mm-hmm. against Leon Edwards, and they were. Uh, pretty easily chucked off. It, it seems like there was a significant fall off between the two fights against Edwards. Did you notice that? Um, just an overall speed, maybe even in yeah. you know, just commitment, I guess. It didn't seem like he wanted to be... He got dejected, which is something I haven't seen with him in any of his fights before this. And so, anyway, back to my point. He's coming in at late notice. You know, I don't know where he had to start his weight cut. Obviously, they're, they're doing this at 185, so it's probably not as significant as before. But I think that, that Kamzat is one of the best, biggest talents that's come through the UFC in the last 10 years. Uh, I don't even remember how many first-round stoppages that guy has, but I know that for his first tear through the UFC, I think he went through like three or four fights with only one punch being landed on him. And that yeah. punch was when he was on top of somebody and he, they, he was like in their guard and they like, threw this, no, it was, he was on their back and they punched him from behind the head. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. like the kind of move that you do when you're getting mugged by like the drug cartel and you're about to get kidnapped at a gas station. Just like, you're just like, you know, throw a little jab. That was the one punch that he took in how many, was it four fights, three fights, four fights? Uh, it was, it was definitely, incredible. yeah. Uh, Reese McKee and Mirshard. Lee Young. And Mearshart and the guy that landed the punch was uh I don't know who that guy is Jack Marshman uh, I think oh yeah I think it was Jack Marshman who that's, got like I think that's all one or two punches yeah yeah, yeah um guy. yeah I you know I love how fast um, Hamzad is on the ground he is all action he is so much dominant wrestling pressure um, to shoot on him is also really like in, you know intimidating because. Uh, he's he likes the front headlock so much Mm -hmm. so any time that you shoot you are risking him doing like sprawling on you and securing that front headlock and getting that darce choke really really fast and and once he gets those god damn he starts rolling yeah alligator roll with it it's mm -hmm. pretty yeah we watched uh kevin holland move for a while uh with that thing he's good on the ground and he couldn't shake it um hamzat is really on him um there's a couple of interesting changes for Hamzat. Um, I don't know if you read this. He is no longer training at MMA All-Stars in Sweden. Um, Where's he at? He is, I think he's moved to Dubai. Um, or, yeah, he's in Abu Dhabi uh, training at, I think I have Ahmad Fight Club. Um that's not so good. So he he has emigrated to the UAE. Um I don't know if he's still um retaining his Swedish Swedish citizenship. Tried what to that fight. Pressured times in fast. by that guy from Chechnya. Um you know what? I think there is something to that. Um yeah. I mean that's yeah. the, that's the guy um, to do it. <laughs> Hamzat is Chechen. Um and uh Ramzan Kadyrov is the Maisie dictator in Chechnya. Uh, yeah, I'm amazed that you're going that level. Okay, good for you. Uh, well, so he's got um, a whole societal system in place of propping up 
these very pro regime athletes. Uh, athletes are made, you know, to be heroes, and then those heroes are deferential to um, Kadyrov. And Kadyrov has, you know, all of his kids in 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 his programs and things like that, um, and he's got a lot of sway. And I think Akhmat, uh, Akhmat Fight Club, is. I, I I looked at my I believe Akhmat Kadyrov was Ramzan Kadyrov's father, um, so Akhmat Fight Club is named after Kadyrov's Shit, father. You're going like sixty minutes on me over here. Well, so uh, <clears throat> I mean, I went down this rabbit hole of like Holy this shit. emigration to the UAE. These going to um, this branch of this training club that is um, named after the father of the dictator of his home country. Um, he's, you know, got all these sponsorships. He's got all this money now. He's, you know, he's, um, you know, he's changing his whole environment. And so probably a lot of pressure on the wind too. We don't know how that is affecting his game. Um, he hasn't been fighting for two years or something like that. He's been out for a while. Fought in February, didn't he? Mm, Two seven, uh, 279, I think, was the last time he fought. I think. I don't remember that was. I thought he fought UFC, once this year. Um, Hamzat has not fought since 279. When was that? You don't okay. tell me. I think it was maybe 2020. So or 2022. No. Sorry, 2022. So was that like October 2022? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, don't make me do more math. I already tried to convert kilograms to pounds. September <laughs> kind of short 10th. circuit. Yeah, September 10th. God, it was uh, that long tw- ago. 22. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's over a year. I don't know if I. I don't know why I said two years, but yeah, over a year. So what? Um, but what is the reason behind that? Because I haven't heard much from him. I think he was injured um, for a while. Um, and then this change, this immigration to the UAE is recent. I think it's in the last, I think it's since like July. I think he moved in um, August or September. So uh, it's fairly new. Um, I Yeah, I don't know exactly what has been like the series of circumstances that has kept him out so long. But, you know, I'm always, like, at least cognizant of, like, a major change in somebody's life because that's going to have, like, kind of ripple effects throughout their whole performance. And there's nothing, you know, it's going to be felt. How that's going to make itself known, we don't know yet. Um, But he's got a new coach. He's got a new team. He's got a whole new set of people around him. So... You know who knows how he's going to follow their their instructions. Who knows how he's going to operate with that team? Um, that is all yet to be seen. Um, you know what? What we can go off of is what we've seen in the past, um, and what we've seen is, you know, like Usman, Hamza has a really really good jab. Um, he switches stances, but his right hand is pretty much his major weapon on the feet. He throws. Big honking, you know, overhand rights when he's in an orthodox position, and then he's got this piston of a right hand jab when he's in southpaw. Mm-hmm. Um, he switches pretty frequently. He doesn't switch like in combination 
uh, like as well as somebody like a, a Holloway or a Volkanovsky or somebody like that who is switching while they you know while they strike and that's like that's giving them new angles mid combination. He's not doing any of that, but he is kind of like jumping back and forth between orthodox and southpaw. Um, you know, he's semi-regularly, so he can give his opponent different looks. He, you know, hunting for that open side body kick. He, you know, loves that big straight jab. Um, and and I think primarily his stance switches are going to be dictated on uh, where Usman's front leg is so that he can do, like, you know, his, like, snatch singles or he can dive on that front leg and get a hold of it uh, when it's right in front of him. Yeah, you know, in addition to the jab, I think the one thing with with Hamza is is that uh, that counter uppercut that he does, where he, he steps off to the side, has the counter uppercut yeah. that seems to be something he's he's able to catch quite often. But more got all the scare of with it. Yeah, but more important, I guess, than than all of that is the way that he gets into people's heads before the fights. And I'm not talking yeah. with like media or anything like that, but he's such a scary. Guy, he's such a scary proposition to fight this guy. He's got, um, you know, takedowns that can come from a mile away. And so that changes the entire dynamic on how you're going to fight him because you can't have your, you know, your, your hands up high, obviously, because you're going to try and fight off a mm-hmm. takedown because he's so good at it and so fast in getting in there. He doesn't, sometimes he doesn't even set those things up. You know, he just shoots in and is able to cover five, six feet, no problem. Uh, so, and then when I look at, you know, someone like Usman that doesn't have a tremendous amount of speed. He's got great takedown defense, but I don't think it's going to be enough to stop Chimaya I'm, I'm, on it. Yeah, and I'm worried he's going about to be relying upon like, that. He's going to be yeah. relying on that jab to try and keep Hams out at bay. And it's just not going to be enough. I think this is going to be a pretty lopsided fight, to be honest with you. I, I'm worried about Usman's um, like extended scrambling sequences. Because Hamzat won't settle a position. Um, he'll no. keep forcing it until he's like landed in something that's like dominant and he can control from. Yeah. And already uh, weaponized. That's, that's going to be really tough on Usman. Um, I I just you know unless he can really neutralize that that wrestling offense, which would be phenomenal to see. Um, but I, I I'm 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 lean in the same way you are. I'm, I'm pretty sure this is going to go Kamzat's way. Yeah. Interesting. We don't want to go too much on this because uh, there's a lot of different reasons that, that we feel that, that Hamzat's going to win that we don't need to get into. But uh, so looking at, at his Wikipedia page, this is just best what we're saying. So, so Chimaev is close to Chechen leader, uh, Ramzan Kadyrov, right? How do you say Kadyrov, it? yeah. Kadyrov. So he gifted Chimaev a Mercedes Benz, which he crashed a couple months later. Uh, he also yeah. allegedly convinced Jemaya not to retire in March of 2021 to go back to Chechnya, which led to speculation that Jemaya had been forced to do so. So he's been present during live streams with Kadyrov or Kadyrov, where he's threatening to kill a minor who criticizes repressive rule. He's yeah. been sparring. I mean, dude, he's he might be in deep with that guy. Yeah, it's pretty serious over there. It's, and he's actually added. He cornered his son in his first pro fight, and his son, uh, you know, was with uh, Kadyrov's son or whatever uh, was mm-hmm. with Chemaev in Abu Dhabi in his last fight, like in his corner yeah. or something like that, mm-hmm. which is just, so maybe that, that plays in, but I bet there's a ton of pressure on him to win. He's got the skill set to do it. So it's nothing like motivation, like fearing for your life. <laughs> I guess. Well, yeah. That should skew the odds. 
right? Yeah. All right. See how so, he handles it. He's handled pressure well before, but it's yeah, that's different. A lot of, that's a lot of pressure. All right. In the final fight, man, we are long-winded today. We talked about getting this under 30 minutes. Islam. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought this was going to be the one, too. Yeah, me too. Uh, Islam taking on Alexander Volkanovsky in a repeat fight from when did that last one happen? Wasn't that long ago? Is that sure wasn't. May? Uh, April? I don't Whatever. I say so. Yeah. Damn, that was uh that was a instant classic where we saw Volkanovsky come back after getting knocked down early and then, you know, argue I thought that I thought he kind of won the fight to be honest with you. Uh, I thought it was going to go Volk's way also cuz it was in it was in Australia, if I remember correctly. Yeah, sure was. Yeah. So an unstoppable force meets an immovable object in these two. I mean, these two are the the top of the class when it comes to their respective divisions. And, um, you know, I, I don't really see a, a better better guy in the sport right now than these two. Yeah. And what a gift. You know, I know they were fighting for pound for pound uh, last time they fought uh, and and Islam won the fight uh, and then was mad that he wasn't pound for pound. Sure. Uh but that's not how pound be. for pound works. You, yeah. you should you should have handled him because you're pound for pound better and bigger than him. Uh, you know, if that was really the truth, you would have wiped the floor with Volk. So shows you what MMA math means, though. Doesn't mean yeah. Math. You know, um, in terms of this rematch uh, and the late notice, which I think is going to be a big factor. Um, I was hearing an interview where Volkanovski was saying. Uh, Yes, this is a late notice fight, but ever since this fight was booked, I was I had it in the back of my mind that this could be my opportunity. So, he was aware that he that this was on the horizon and he was aware that this could be his in back, you know, back in against a Makachev. So, I don't think he's going to be as like totally fresh off the couch, unprepared as people are might think he is. No. No. I don't think he ever was going to be, but it, you know he does have to cut a grand total. So he had eleven days' notice on this. He's got to cut twenty six pounds. So he was walking around at one eighty one with eleven days' notice. Now, <sighs> you know most most fighters are starting their weight cut what eight weeks out and training for that by cutting out some carbs and some salts and you know going to vegetables and to lean proteins and then. And making that a manageable process. And that's the one thing that I'm worried about. Because Islam has tremendous cardio. He's an incredible grappler. He's got good stand-up. Right? He, he is the full package. And I think at this point in time, Volkanovski is the only one that has even the possibility of dethroning him. Because Oliveira, don't kid yourself, that fight was going to go Islam's way. Without question. In my mind. Uh, yeah, Charles didn't. I I hadn't seen anything new from Oliveira. I no. just it as much as I love him, I feel like he was going to do the same thing and and but harder this time. Yeah, it, uh, it had that feel of the that changing of the guard, kind of like the Usman thing, right? Mm. There's a changing of the guard. Can't move. You know, we have to move past that. We got a new era that hit in, and you know, Islam is you know been pegged by by Khabib, and Khabib's dad is is the best fighter out of that camp for a long time. I don't know if that's true. You know, that's a humble group of people, but, uh, you know, I, I thought that Islam was going to walk right through Volkanovsky during his first fight. 
I really did. Yeah, I don't blame you. And I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> and you brought up some good points about you think that that as it got towards round four and five, it seemed like Volkanovski was figuring out Makachev. And it didn't seem like Makachev was figuring out Volkanovski. And so yeah. what does that lead us into today? You know, even though there wasn't a fight camp, even though there wasn't training, his cardio may not be up to par as to what it was before. But Volkanovski is a very cerebral fighter. Yeah. Even if his cardio isn't, like, at the level it was the last time, at the end of five rounds, he didn't even look tired at all. So, I, you know, I... Incredible, isn't it? Yeah. And, and yeah, you're exactly right. Um, or I'm exactly right. Because if you were... Anyway. Yeah, I took, he, you, I took it from your mouth. <laughs> he... Uh, Volkanovsky's offense was, you know, really reliant on this shifting overhand right, um, where he, you know, was going to, you know, shift to get this closest distance. Um, and then he was able to land his left straight after that. And that, that big left hand was, uh, what he knocked him down with, I think in the, the fifth round. Um, but yeah, Volk was, was figuring out his offense and was starting to land more often and had more success in the later rounds against Islam. And uh, Islam wasn't able to figure Volk out in the same way. And and if they were having a, a rematch and it was always going to be the two of them, I think Islam could, you know, would have the time and was, would be able to go back and, and make some better reads and watch how Volk was closing the distance and kind of build some tools to counter that specifically. But he wasn't. He was preparing for Charles. Um, and because he was preparing for Oliveira, I think Islam's going to have to go in there and just, just Makachev at him. Um, and that works pretty much all the time. He's going to do the same thing he always does. He's going to, you know, be a very patient, educated counter striker with this enormous, you know, threat of a takedown that's looming, uh, but if he isn't able to, you know, get his counter, I think he's a southpaw. Um, he throws like that the his own left straight pretty well, and he's he throws it wide sometimes, and and other times it's yeah. really straight. And and he's got a good set of tools to counter. Um, but if he hasn't been preparing specifically for the way Volkanovski is going to set up his own offense against him. Uh, I think he's going to be at a disadvantage in that regard, at least, uh, right from the jump. Well, it seemed to me that, and this was interesting when it was going on, it started about round three, maybe round four, but Volkanovsky started trying to take him down and, and, yeah. and having some success. And yeah. it almost seems like that 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 uh, there's a chink in the armor starting to form against Makachev. Then mm. where his you could see his confidence not being because he's always been the bully in there, always the one to take people down. He, that was always the fear that you get taken by Makachev, you're not going to get back up. But you know, Volkanovsky not only got up, he, then he tried to do his own takedown on him, and I think he was successful in one of them, if I remember correctly. Yeah, was it one or two? I think it was one. It was and, one. He had, and then he had a knockdown. They had, yeah, they had knocked down a little. Uh, later, no, I right? don't think he got him. But he he wasn't able to take him down fully because I think um, Islam was able to wrestle back up, but he did get the knockdown and then controlled him on the ground for the rest of the fight. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. how I remember too. It's been a while since I've watched it, but 
anyway, so it, it seemed to me that that Makachev's confidence started to wane a little bit towards the end of the fight. That he was in there with someone that wasn't just going to roll over with the wrestling, that wasn't just going to get discouraged, and you know that we've seen so many times with Islam before. So, I don't know. I mean, where do you think this takes us? You've got a short notice fight. You've got someone we've, you know, in Volkanovski. We feel it's figured out. Makachev, at least on some level, Makachev hasn't had the opportunity to do a, a fight, uh, or excuse me, a training camp geared towards Volkanovski. Mm-hmm. There's so many unknowns in this fight that I don't really know even how to predict this. This would be very hard to predict. I I think the one of the things that Volk has shown over and over and over again is how brilliant of a game planner and a and a a, a learner in the middle of a fight he is. Um, he is incredibly smart and he is very adaptable and he's got his set of tools that he can solve almost any problem with. Um, I mean, just look at the, the third Holloway fight. Yeah. Like the first two fights were close. Like the first fight was close, but clearly Volk, the second fight, Max Max came out with an, he came out with an entirely new strategy, fought totally different and won the first two rounds, and then Volk was able to figure it out and took the last three. And then in the the third fight, it was all Volk the whole way through. Yeah. Nobody has ever like thoroughly whopped Max Holloway like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, Volk just is he's such an incredible like learning machine and adapter. Uh, I would not. I mean, of course, I'll be like totally shocked and like totally engaged and, and, and throw my hands up and scream. But I don't know if I will be, I don't know if I think it's unbelievable that Volk really puts it on Islam this time. Oh, you puts it on him, not just wins. Yeah. You wouldn't be surprised I, if he puts it on him. Yeah, I mm. wouldn't be. I, I, I don't know about was, that. I mean, Islam also Islam in his last fight didn't, ha- he wasn't training with Khabib because Khabib retired. I think Khabib saw this. Khabib is going to be cornering Islam. That's true. I'm correct. Yeah. And he actually was part of his training camp. That's a pretty big motivator for him. Pretty big. Because his best work has always been done with Khabib in his corner. So maybe that has something to do with it too. But obviously they are game planning for Oliveira, uh, not Volkanovsky. So, I mean. You know, I. Do you think the odds are right in this? Minus 258. Yeah, no, I I still think the smart money's on Islam. Um, I I've been harping a lot on this this ad uh, this advantage that Volk has in this like preparation um, and his preparedness, but um, his preparation. I've and been his preparedness, huh? Yeah, look at me go. <laughs> uh, I'm a damn thesaurus uh, at at uh, ten fifteen at night. Yeah, it's late. <laughs> uh, I I think I've been harping on that because I think that's the biggest advantage that Volkanovsky has but I don't think that necessarily means that he has the only like advantage uh Makachev is still so much bigger he had I mean his his game plan even if it's like the his game and he hasn't adapted it tremendously um or hasn't needed to it is super duper complete it's super functional it's 
dangerous it's crafty it's threatening his wrestling is dominant the the only reason that we're talking the only reason we're even talking about it like this is because of the fight with volkanovsky yeah makachev looked unbeatable for a very long time and we saw a little glimpse of him being able to be beaten and now we're going to see it again and play it back i think that might have be playing some factor Mm -hmm. in this you know right or wrong Islam is the real deal, and you know he looked like a champion three years ago. I think he, he had that one loss in the UFC back in like 2016 or something like that. But ever since, yeah, then, it's like a absolute, flash knockout yeah, or something like yeah, that. Been on an absolute tear. So you're going to take Volkanovski. I'm going to take Makachev on this fight. Yeah, just because yeah. of the fact that he's had a full camp. Khabib's going to be there. Uh, they're in Abu Dhabi. I think there's a lot of forces lining up to help propel him across the finish. I think it's going to be an extremely close and competitive fight. Uh, but I just don't think that Volkanovski is, you know, if he if he was close, uh, you know, with a full camp training specifically for Makachev, and he got that mm-hmm. close, I don't see outside of him getting some more downloadable content from the last two rounds what he would be able to make a change in that short amount of time besides just focusing on a weight cut uh, mm. and going back in there. I just don't, you know, I, I think the odds, I, I think the odds were like minus 360 or something like that when they fought the first time. It was big, mm-hmm. minus 330 or something. And, you know, they've narrowed down a lot because of his last performance. But I think there's a lot of things that are that are kind of going against Volkanovski here. Uh Namely, the fact he hasn't had a camp, and it, it's yeah, five that rounds. Yeah, is going to be huge. And it's five rounds, and Makachev is, you know, he weaponizes cardio, similar to Chimaev. The guy doesn't really get tired that much either. I mean, unless you've seen something I haven't. He's been doing Not this really. since he was a baby. Yeah. It's going to be a close fight, though, and to be honest with you, I want Volkanovski to win because I find him to be such a likable character. Yeah, he's yeah. the gold standard, man. I, I mean, he's like the new generation's GSP. Uh, yeah. I mean, just like trains so hard, has these like upstanding values. I can do it. You can do it. Yeah. Um, he's wrong, I by mean, the way. <laughs> who doesn't want to, you know, but yeah, but still, but even the if he's wrong. There. Yeah, the message yeah. is good. Who doesn't want to root for him? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, all right. I You know, we, we've gone way over a lot of time i guess you know there's a direct correlation between how much we're interested in a in a fight card and how long we go yeah but uh yeah man good insights though i, I love yeah. i love the the stuff you put together with that there's always that little that little snippet that you throw out there that i'd never thought of before especially when comes talking to the dictator of chechnya yeah <laughs> yeah a, uh chechen dictators will yeah Increase the length of this podcast by 14%. Never thought any, that was going to turn in there. But <laughs> anyway, so appreciate everyone's time. So when is the next UFC fight? Do you know? Off the top of your head uh, right now. Uh, when is the next one after this? Yeah. Um, Do we have I, a break? There is... The next one is 285. I believe that is Jones and Stipe. 295. 295, right? Jo- yeah. Jones and Stipe? But is that that's in November, right? Yeah, late November. Yeah. Okay, so we got a little bit of time. But, uh, yeah, so we'll be back on 
then uh you know we'll probably do maybe a little bit of a recap we're going to try and do something a little bit different this time and on how we're presenting this information because it's a little bit long-winded to, to go through an entire hour and a hour and 20 minute podcast to get all the answers that you need to make the best choices and learn how to break down a fight and maybe even put some of your hard-earned money on these but we appreciate everyone's time for being here um hope you got a lot out of it we love presenting this information to you we just absolutely love the sport Hope you have a great week, and we will catch you for UFC 295 in sometime in November. All right, we're out.